0: Hello, and welcome to UX Maturity. This is a podcast where we have conversations about all things UX and being a UX designer. This is season three, and uh, if you've listened to the previous season, at least you might remember me as your co-host, Susan. Um, With me for the new season, we have a new voice on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Sandrine. Why don't you um, give uh, our listeners an introduction?
1: Hi there. Uh, Thanks for the intro. Uh, yeah, Hi, I'm Sandrine. Uh, I'm joining you for this season of YX maturity and very excited about it. Um, I've been a product designer uh, for about six or seven years now, and I've been mostly working in the tech industry uh, from the charity sector to fintech, and now I've been uh, joining the SaaS industry as well recently. Um, and yeah, I've started my career as a product manager, so you probably hear me talk a, a little bit about Products quite quite a fair
0: amount on this podcast <laughs> awesome thanks so much for agreeing to to hop on um, i'll be curious to learn more about especially your charity background in in the, in the rest of this season i think there are inter- i've never worked in the charity sector before and i think there are interesting things one might learn working in that uh, area that you might not find necessarily in i don't know SAS and uh, other things um Yes, we, of course, Leo is, uh, uh, he's not dead. Leo is no longer with us. (laughs) But we want to give a huge, huge thank you for um, to our almighty godfather Leo, pizza loving Leo for founding this podcast and for teaching us um, everything, everything we know about making a podcast in season one and season two for season three we're going to uh, do something slightly different. Uh, we're going to go deeper into different topics. Uh, and by that, uh, we mean we're going to have multiple episodes around different uh, a different theme throughout the season. And the first theme we've picked is empathy. Now, for the current, uh, current episodes, uh, we're going to deep dive into empathy with users uh, specifically. So my first question to you, Sandrine, is what is empathy? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty good
1: place to start for this theme right um so i would say that empathy really is your <clears throat> it's almost kind of an ability that you have as a human right to, to connect to others and kind of understand how they feel um in a particular situation or context um and yeah i guess you really have the ability to See their needs or what they're going through, and you kind of can almost picture it. You can almost feel it yourself. Um, so yeah, it's kind of how I would define
0: it. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. Um, empathy is really um, okay. So maybe this is uh, too personal, but <laughs> I went through a round of therapy um, a couple of years ago uh, where I learned about well not just empathy. I knew what empathy was before, but the type of therapy I was doing was compass- called compassion-focused therapy. And that's when I learned, you know, what is what is compassion uh, and what is compassion in relation to empathy and sympathy. So that's sort of the context in which I define empathy. So for me, um, empathy is... Um, okay, so let, maybe let's start on, on the, um, the steps that come before empathy. Uh, so in order to have empathy, you need to be able to recognize feelings in others. And the ability to recognize feelings in others is uh, often referred to as sympathy. Uh, And then empathy is sort of taking sympathy a step further, not only recognizing feelings in others, but being able to feel those feelings yourselves. Not in a weird sci-fi (laughs) brain-merging kind of way, but your ability to... Recognize and feel the feelings of others come from a place of having experienced similar things yourself. So that's empathy. It's a step, sort of extending from sympathy. Uh, and what I learned in, in therapy uh, was uh, that compassion is a, sort of like a step even further away from empathy, or not further away, but um, extending empathy even further. So compassion is is when you um, one you've you recognize that what others are feeling, and two you uh, can feel that feeling yourselves, but three, uh, you want to do something to, um, uh, if the feeling is negative, you want to do something to remove the negative feeling in others. That was a very long answer to describe empathy. (laughs) Very good answer though. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, yeah, empathy is, um, we talk about it a lot in UX, um, especially of course in relation to having empathy with users. Um, why Why do we talk about it so much? Why is it important?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love what you said actually about, um, you know, the fact that it starts actually with sympathy almost, so like that ability of um, recognizing that others also have needs. I feel like sometimes we are, you know, so in our minds with ourselves and how we feel and how we perceive the world and it's so easy to lose that perspective that our reality might not be the same as other people's realities and that we actually really don't know what they're going through in their context and everything that's happening in their life um, so I think this is really important actually to have that step to recognize that you know, how we feel inside and then how others people feel might be quite different. Even if we're facing the same situation, we might understand it completely differently. And I guess that's why it's so relevant in terms of um, our UX activities, right? Because we we claim to be problem solvers. So um, if we want to solve problems for others, then we really need to have that first step of understanding what is their perspective on the problem? How have they actually experienced it themselves? Like... I may well have a completely different opinion of it uh, because I don't have the same background. I don't have the same education. I don't have the same experiences in life. So I might actually think that something is relatively painless, but for someone else, it might be a completely different question. And I think that's really where empathy comes and plays a big part is, you know, going beyond even just the sympathy, actually, which is acknowledging they have maybe different feelings or needs. It's about, okay, I actually need to go and understand what they've been through, and start, you know, wondering how their problem, their problem perspective is different from mine, so I can integrate that into my my work. And actually, you've talked about compassion, uh, compassion as being, you know, that deeper stage of empathy where you've gone to actually understand as well um, the other person, and then you actually feel uh, that you can actually do something and take an action to actually relieve that pain as well. Um, and I wonder, actually, why do you think we talk so much about empathy and so little about compassion, you know, in UX?
0: Ever since I learned about compassion, I have been thinking that, hang on, the stuff, the work we do as UX designers, isn't that more like compassion? Because we, you know, we strive to to understand users' problems, as you, under, as, as you explained, um, in order to solve them and and solving them is you know us relieving them from their pain points uh, their challenges uh, to help them reach their goals and that's that that is compassion I wonder if some of it is um, well sort of ambiguous semantics like we talk in in daily life we talk more about uh, we use the term empathy uh, a lot more than we use compassion perhaps Um, and and because compassion is a bit more complex uh, of a feeling or of of a concept um, the complexity might um, make it seem a bit um, more distanced from what what we do like it's it's easier to think about empathy because it's it's comparatively slightly simpler empathy is understanding how someone else feels and, and it's sort of like a stepping stone to compassion so it's easier to talk about empathy but I have been wondering like doesn't isn't a lot of the work we do in UX actually compassion? Um, and then the other thing, the other part of this is, I feel like often when we use empathy in our design work and having empathy with users, we throw it around a bit willy-nilly. Like it's it's sort of like a catch-all that we use. Where sometimes we use empathy when we mean compassion, but sometimes we use empathy when actually what we're talking about is sympathy. Um, or pity as well. Or pity, yeah, yeah. So for example, you know, an example of when we use empathy, when actually we mean sympathy or even pity could be, you know, when we're designing for accessibility uh, or we, we try to design for accessibility or we think we're designed for accessibility, then we'll say things like, um, uh, oh, the color like color contrast is usually a very common, um, common design uh, issue. Uh, where we try to increase the the color contrast of something to make it more accessible. Um, and I, well, I don't know, other other people might experience it differently, but I feel like that's an example where we sort of again, willy-nilly will say, oh, yeah, we we increase the co- color contrast of empathy with users, but me personally, i I don't I'm not colorblind. Um, i don't I don't know what it's like to to not uh, properly. You know, uh, not properly be able to distinguish different um, colors from each other, for example. Um, and so, I suppose what I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, is, is it, is that sympathy when we work on color contrast, uh, or is it empathy? And is it important to talk about this? Is it important to know the difference? Yeah,
1: I, I really like that example actually because I find that sometimes we also take a great example of what we think is empathy to actually hide that we, to hide actually a whole bunch of pity for our users. Uh, for example, the colors with accessibility, I think sometimes it's, it's like, Oh, like if we've done the color checking, then it's, um, done and over with, you know, we've done our accessibility check and we're good to go, but actually, um, there's so much more that we should really dive in. Um, you know, accessibility is not just about the colors that people engage with. There's so much more to dive into. And yeah, I think sometimes we can easily label something as like, because we've done a little thing, we've been empathetic, but actually there's tons more to still consider and it's fine to not be able to solve every problem because like we all know we have to prioritize, right? And there's no, there's never enough you know, scope for everything, but we should at least acknowledge to uh, acknowledge the fact that we have not um, treated, you know, a bunch of of problems that people have, problems of pain points and at least, you know, not be, um, yeah, and try to just be, I guess, satisfied with, with what we've, we've done. You know, we really need to, um, I think, yeah, just be a little bit more human and recognize where where the shortcomings in our work is and just be honest with ourselves that, yeah, sometimes we're not actually doing that much empathy, so... So, yeah.
0: yeah, that's a great point, uh, especially that, uh, you know, you're alluding to that practicing empathy isn't just a, sort of a, like a one-off, <laughs> one-off check. We've done empathy now or we've done the empathic, empathic or empathetic? I think both are correct. Empathetic. Yeah. Empathetic. <laughs> we've done the empathetic activity now. Let's move to the next, you know, let's move move on to implementing <laughs> empathetic design. Yeah, It's almost robotic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think empathy is... is um, Something you that happens slowly over time through various activities, and that it's really important to remember that you know' it's, you can't do one activity of user research uh, and then that's that's empathy done. Empathy is something you do through uh, continuous user discovery. I, I, I bang on about this a lot, uh, but that builds empathy over time. and also through sharing um, sharing experiences and findings with, um, with a wider, team. So other people um, in your team take part in, in those insights as well. And that, that brings me to another point of the importance of, of having lots of perspectives on uh, user insights and, and what you learn about users. Um, because for example, I if, if I was the only one doing empathetic activities, I'm going to coin that term now, empathetic <laughs> activities. But if I was the only one in a team uh, speaking to users and um, trying to understand their problems and uh, trying to figure out what their pain points are, I would empathize with them from my perspective and my experiences. And my experiences aren't universal. I I represent m- myself as a as a woman, um, the millennial um able-bodied uh, cisgendered all of that stuff uh I can't I can't possibly know what it's like to experience uh the world as someone who's not me uh, and so again that comes back to the importance of having diverse people in a team and so that the whole team engages with uh with um learning about uh, users so, so everyone kind of gets their different world experiences and life experiences into into the process.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think having a diverse perspective on the inside is so important. And sometimes you can't just really see it in the differences in note-taking from one person to another. Like something that is actually noteworthy for someone will not be for someone else. And I found it so obvious in that actually how we, we don't listen in the same way. And I guess what is important or what resonates with us is different from the other person, right? So that's why I think um, debriefing on interviews and surveys or whatever insights you have with your colleagues, is so essential because you can actually get to the bottom of things and being like, oh, I actually did not note that in that interview, let's talk some more about it. Why was it important for you to note that insight?" And then it can open a whole new range of discussion about a pain point that you didn't think was relevant because you just did not particularly acknowledge it as a pain point in the first place. Um, so yeah, I think that's super important to have a good range of yeah, diverse opinions in the room. And I guess um, I was wondering actually how you find, um, I guess, you know, expanding the empathy to people that are not in the room at all. Like I find that um, sharing some empathy about users to, Uh, stakeholders or people that are really far removed from the user themselves. Um, I was wondering actually, how do you find this and have you tried to build empathy for users um, with stakeholders that actually don't get a chance to speak
0: to real people every day? Oh, great question! And um, j- just to comment on the note-taking part as well, because it's a podcast, listeners can't see that I was nodding, nodding enthusiastically <laughs> to, to Sandrine's point about note-taking, um, which also applies to the stakeholder question. So um, uh, let me let me try to answer. Uh, let me try to comment on the note-taking first. Uh, so uh, yes, I I've always had issues with. Um, when you only bring a single note taker and you don't record a session, of course, there are lots of other issues where you can't always record, you need to ask for uh, consent, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. If you're only bringing one note taker or if you're taking your own notes um, from a session and you were the only one there with the user and you take the notes sometime after the session there's going to be bias in your memory and in what you notice um and uh, even with the single note-taker you bring they're going to be biased as well so that's such a good good point about uh, note-taking people do pay attention to different things so bringing that back to the point about the importance of um uh getting those insights to other stakeholders how do you do that and how do you get other stakeholders to empathize with users um One thing I try to do, one, is to record the sessions and then almost do like a highlight reel of of a series of user interviews um, to to bring users a bit more to life. Um, I think it's, uh, although it's really important to take great notes and to share, distribute those notes, there still are words and our paraphrasing and our interpretation of what we observed and what we heard Whereas if you record users and share recordings directly, then you get to hear how users express themselves and um, uh, talk about their narrative in their own words. So I think that's really important: um, recording and sharing highlight reels. I say share sharing highlight reels because. No one has time to sit through an hour of a recording and, and multiples of those. It, it puts a lot of burden on us as UX designers and researchers to do that, but I always think it's worth it. Um, and number two, bring stakeholders with us uh, into research. Uh, I, I always try to do that um, when I can. Uh, whether they're uh, closer stakeholders like engineers or business leaders or if you're working in an agency, the client, um, bring them along with you um, to, to see the the users um, express themselves and, and test something or, or uh, talk about themselves and their um, their narrative themselves. Um, yeah. Well, how about you? How, how have you tried to solve this problem?
1: Um, yeah, so I... Actually, never really thought of uh, bringing back reels, um, which is a really, really interesting idea. But I would say I, I do that in the form of a written quote. Um, so I would be that crazy person when I note take who literally writes everything that they say <laughs> to, to the, the comma and the pose and all of the words. Because I think it's so important to actually, um, yeah, just show how people speak about their problems and the features that they use and the product that they have in their lives. Like their words are actually full of meaning and if they choose some words, it's actually often for a a reason, even if they don't think there's a reason Sometimes behind beyond, it does speak for itself. Um, And I think having those quotes really help people actually, um, yeah, see the person and the human behind and, they actually can really get more of a sense of how people actually feel um, about the product or whatever the topic was about in the interview, because if you only just show a raw uh, cold insight, as in users cannot do this, it's you almost kind of yeah removing the the emotional aspect, and and we all connect to emotions actually as humans. So I think it's it's important to obviously extract the insights for you know uh, being able to communicate effectively between teams, but also keeping the emotional aspect, maybe with like, you know, a quote on the side, for example, to support the insights is actually really valuable in in bringing that warmth and actually showing that there's a a person behind and give a chance to stakeholders who don't, you know, have the time to sometimes interview others, um, to, to, yeah, get to see what people have said about the product that they spend so so much time working on. Um, So I've been doing that quite a lot and it's been quite helpful. in my experience but yeah I'll definitely explore the video thing though it's uh I think yeah there's so many ways now to to bring up some small little videos uh to support points as well which is super efficient
0: just to be the GDPR and research ethics uh, prude, <laughs> just a comment on if you if you share videos and highlight reels, always remember, of course, to ask for consent. This is to general listeners, not just <laughs> to you, Sandrine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, very good point. Uh, and I would say, if you record anyone anyway, you should definitely have their consent, both written and on video.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um. Yeah. And another thing as well. Um. That. I found helpful to communicate, you know, that like communicate a bit of empathy about users to stakeholders is to really make sure that I embed, I guess, the um the insights in a way that is from the user perspective in the problems that I work with. Um so I really try to bring in those insights and those Quotes or like those feelings, those emotions within um, whatever framework, you know, you'd like to use. It can be a job story or it can be a how we statement or it can be, um, you know, a user story if you still use this as well. Um, and I think it, it framing it from a user perspective um, and kind of trying to bring in that context as to when they actually had experienced that that pain point and then it can also really help uh, to build that empathy. So, yeah, carrying on, these things along further down the design process it's really essential to make sure that the empathy actually survives all the way down to the moment where you actually start um, ideating actual solutions because otherwise you're going to see a disconnect as well so it's important to make sure the link exists um, yeah so I guess a, a question back to you Susan um, what place do you think empathy has in the in the design
0: process overall um, every step of the Every step of the process is my is my cop out answer. I don't. So yeah, I guess going back to our, our previous points that empathy isn't a, isn't a, a like a single activity that you check off um, and then and, and then you're done with the empathy part. I think it's you should you should be empathetic throughout. Um, and of course, like when you learn the cookie cutter design process. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, listeners will know I have a I have a issue with with the cookie cutter design process. Um, but if you follow it, then or if you learn it, then usually there's a step in the beginning that says empathize. Um, and I'm not. I think when you use that, uh, you know, like. There's a step in the beginning that says empathize, and then and then I can't remember what the second one is. Define, and then there's. Develop or and, and execute or something like that. I I clearly don't follow this process. Uh, and what's dangerous about kind of framing it that way is that it, it seems like um, empathy is the thing you do in the beginning of the process. Uh, it's, it's part of the user research, and then and then you're done, and then you move on to wireframing, and then you move on to UI design, and then <laughs> and then you move on to development. Um, I I I really think that. And again, this goes back to, uh, number one, having, well, continuously interacting and learning from users throughout the process, uh, throughout the design, uh, as well as uh, having a diverse team and uh, bringing stakeholders along, et cetera. It's sort of like you have to be empathetic throughout all of it. Empathy is not a switch you switch on when when you're supposed to and then switch off again. Um, And so... Uh, in the design process I and mean, when you apply design thinking it's of course important to be uh, empathetic in the very beginning when you uh, try to figure out okay, who, who do we need to learn from who are the users uh, and then going to going into the process of doing the research interviewing them, observing them etc but then again also when you're workshopping just internally with your team uh, that you bring those users and the pain points alive uh, in the workshopping and um, when you have some designs already, and the designs you've mocked up should have, you know, of course, uh, had uh, recognition and acknowledgement of users' experiences and feelings in them. When you test them, which I hope you do (laughs) before before release, uh, of course, you're applying empathy, then testing them with users. And um, as you're uh, post-release as you're continuously improving the product uh, check-in with users uh, who should be your customers by then check in with them have customer calls uh, user interviews um to kind of, kind of continue practice practicing that <laughs> that empathy um uh, that empathy muscle
1: yeah i mean i think you know bringing that empathy all the way down to solution is so so essential um and particularly i mean if you're Um, if your solutions are so, um, if you start ideating and you're not actually relating your solutions back to the problems you're actually solving, I think we see that sometimes with some designers that really fall in love with the solution that they're building. And actually they get really just, uh, I guess entwined with what they're building and they're, they're clearly passionate about, you know, the actual detail of the interaction and the way the the design interacts and, looks and sometimes they actually lose sight of uh, what it's actually solving and I think uh, that's where you should always have your your problem space easier at hand to actually challenge yourself and your and your solutions and just ask yourself you know the the tough questions of being like yeah wow design is really cool but does it actually serve its purpose and is that going to make a difference for the people that I tend I intend them to use you know it's it's so essential that we we do that loop and we constantly re-involve the users back, um, and sometimes it's a little bit, a little bit painful as designers because we have to let the ego go, and just yeah, go back and and refocus ourselves on, on what matters, uh, not for ourselves but for the people we design for.
0: So yeah, 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 that's a great point. Um, I I think it's, maybe it's common for, uh, more junior designers. I I certainly used to be very and attached <laughs> to my solutions uh, as well as so it's, it's important to to truly be user centered. You have to let your own ego as a designer go. Um, uh, I have a question for you. Can we all practice empathy? Mm, that's a, a very tough question.
1: Um, I mean, I would say that since we're all humans, we all have an ability to practice empathy. Um, I think there's probably times where it's a lot more challenging to practice it. Um, I think we all have an ability. It's just maybe some of us are more prone to have empathy simply because we, I guess, more of the we're more in touch with our feelings or more in touch with with more in touch with others in general. Um, so I guess there will be natural tendencies and personalities obviously that come at play here. But I, I do think we can all practice empathy. And for some people, it might feel a little bit more robotic, I would say, at first especially. But I think we can all kind of take a step back and and ask ourselves the question, what do others actually think about this? What do they need about this? And it's really about putting ourselves actually on the back backseat and uh, let, let the others actually have a voice. So I would say when you... Yeah, when you're not too sure how to go about empathy, I would say it's it's actually about really figuring out what the other person person is going through, what they're feeling, what is it like for them. Um, so yeah, put yourself in the background and and just just listen basically. Uh, which is probably easier to to say than to do sometimes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, it I think it does come more naturally to some people than others, and and that's totally fine. That's that's why that's the that's human nature and that's human diversity and that's what you get when you have when you have diverse teams if you everyone was super emotionally in in a team and super empathetic then that maybe is a bit of a I don't know diversity problem in and of itself it also depends on things like culture and um, how you're brought up and, and all of those things so one thing I think is really important when when you as a team you try to to get a team and maybe in a whole organization to be better at practicing empathy is to um, show vulnerability and be emotionally open. Because if, if you sort of have this professional persona where you don't share much about um, about your your feelings and your personal life. I mean, I'm not saying like tell everyone about I don't know your divorce or <laughs> your difficult kids or whatever. But uh, to be a bit more open about who you are as a human, uh, this whole you know concept of bringing your whole whole self to work. Um, when you, when you show up and do that, then you're showing others how you are feeling, and uh, it, it it kind of enables the creation of, of emotional connections between you and your teammates. And hopefully, I, I think that uh, that helps others develop their own empathy muscle and uh, share how they're feeling and also be more attuned to how users are feeling. Um, so it's this is also what I mean about how empathy, building empathy with users is something that comes slowly over time. It's, it's internally in a company creating um, uh, an emotionally open and psychologically safe environment uh, which you as a designer you then bring uh, out uh, with you when you interact with users what do you do in a situation where um, uh, you're internally in your company um, a user researcher for example or a UX designer is sharing some insights from um, a handful of users or maybe just one or two users and they're sharing their story in detail and their pain points um, and you get another uh, teammate who's maybe not a UX designer or not a user researcher, and that teammate goes, oh, well, that was just one or two people. That's just anecdotal. We need to look at the hard data um, to, in order to make conclusions or to action this. What do you do when, when people sort of don't engage or, or don't, maybe don't see the value in being empathetic to one or two people? Yeah, it's a really good question because...
1: I feel like when we're trying to actually become a bit more user-centric, that's often the the quote that is being bounced back at us, being like, nah, we cannot rely on the comments of a, a few handful of people. And there's some people that are very um, dismissive or they just don't trust, I guess, the qualitative uh, data. But um, I think usually I actually try to have... Um, an empathetic approach as well to that, of actually understanding what is worrying them about relying actually on a, on a couple of users. And maybe it's all about actually explaining to them the the value of qualitative research and its place uh, in comparison to quantitative. Um, I think a lot of people think that quantitative, how data explains everything. And whilst it does give you an amazing picture of what is happening, it does not tell you why and how you should probably fix it um, in the future. So I think I like to actually reframe a little bit that perspective of that and actually help them understand that the the data here from this couple of people is not coming to disrupt all of the hard work. It's actually here to make the picture a little bit clearer as to what is happening. And you know, there's probably some of that hard data that does not look so good. And maybe actually what these people have said have given us an opportunity to fix this. Um, so many people actually are dismissive when, you know, people criticize the product or say that they have a hard time with a feature or whatever it is. And, you know, they get almost a little bit scared of, scared of it. And it's actually, I see it really as a chance because then I'm like, oh, so actually we have a problem we can solve, guys. Like, we can do something about this. And I feel actually a lot more empowered once I can, you know, once I can tell maybe there's something to investigate in this. And that's when you get curious. And... You just go on and you talk to more people if you think there's a real hunch in there. Um, so, yeah, that's that would usually be my approach. Um, trying to really show the, the value of, of that quo actually in relation to the other types of data that are also just as important. It's just that they should both coexist, really.
0: Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love what you're saying about um, uh, especially understanding. So, the, talking about the people who sort of dismiss, uh, dismiss the insights uh, from one or two people and don't really empathize with them I really like your approach of uh, understanding their perspective and empathizing empathizing with them Um, and I I wonder if that that should probably be a theme for uh, one of our next uh, episodes empathy with stakeholders or empathy with your teammates or uh, something like that Um, so empathy doesn't just get directed to users
1: yeah definitely I think we should uh, practice what we preach, right? If we're going to have empathy for users, we should um, also extend that empathy to yeah, people we work with.
0: Let's move on to our new segment uh, for this season. Uh, so each episode, we are going to, instead of what we used to do in season two, if you haven't listened to those episodes, is, is um, uh, talk about one thing we learned that week. Uh, we're going to update that segment for season three with... Um, sharing what we are grateful for uh, this week so a bit of a gratitude segment so um Sandrine what are you grateful for this week
1: uh yeah so this week is um I guess marking the commencement of uh doing a podcast and yeah I'm just super grateful that um I got a chance to to do this because it's uh, it's a real chance for me to get out of my comfort zone and I feel like sometimes we don't always have tons of opportunities to do that, and yeah, I'm really grateful to be doing this with you. So,
0: so yeah, that's that's my one for this week. Awesome! Uh, welcome to being outside of the comfort zone, where uh, where I am as well. Also outside my comfort zone, even after <laughs> a whole season, mine's gonna be a bit. Silly and a bit hashtag tech worker, but (laughs) I um I upgraded my smartwatch this um uh, this week and got a new one, uh, which is a bit more granular. It just tracks tracks my life health uh, a bit better, and I'm I'm grateful to my smartwatch because um, it's a lot better at telling me that I need to rest and recover more. So I'm the type of person who kind of With activities, physical activities, gymming and walking and and kind of sleep as well, I I tend to think I'm a bit of a superhuman just because, you know, just because I bucket down six cups of coffee a day and feel alert. um, I'm not very good at noticing that I'm actually exhausted or stressed out. And so I'm grateful to my smartwatch is telling me to chill out a bit and, and remember to rest and recover
1: yeah that is resting is very important and yeah i didn't know that smartwatch did this Uh, i might look into that as well (laughs) that is super cool yeah i found that this this is the kind of stuff that sometimes you track with like you know writing in a journal or something like that but it's really nice to have something
0: recording this for yourself super cool This was episode 37. Uh, It's great to be back at it again. It's great to have Sandrine on board uh, for the new season so we can continue talking about UX and sharing our thoughts and uh, feelings and uh, and experiences (laughs) on various topics. Uh, We talked about empathy with users uh, and uh, for the next at least couple of episodes, we're going to continue talking about uh, empathy um, from different angles. Um, we hope you enjoyed it of course if you have feedback or thoughts or questions on the episode please let us know Um, you can contact us and follow us on twitter we are ux underscore maturity and we have our website uxmaturitypodcast.com where we list and post all our Episodes, uh, and where you can read a little bit about us. Please rate, review, follow, and share the podcast. And remember that Spotify has a podcast rating feature now. That's relatively new, as of uh, I think December or something like that. So please rate us on there, as well as Apple Podcasts or wherever you see a rate button. Preferably five stars, of course. New episodes every week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to us
1: and see you next week.